0: Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to share this word with you guys today. Uh, we're talking in our series of hot ones. We're going to talk about some hot button topics regarding the church today, and not necessarily the global church or the church of the United States, kind of like what we do with Canceled. Um, But more so hot-button topics as it pertains to our church, and particularly in the city of Omaha, uh, being one who was born and raised in Omaha, probably shouldn't say that because now everyone knows the answer that I have on the question when you're resetting your password, what city were you born in? But uh, anyways, now you know, (laughs) yeah, right? (laughs) Now you know, it's more so tackling topics pertaining to the city of Omaha and particularly our church. And uh, what I really want to be able to do is lay a foundation of where we stand in a church and certain topics around the Bible. And one in particular that I want to talk about today is the area of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited to share this with you today, being one who has... Grown up in uh, whether it be uh, assemblies of God, Southern Baptist, uh, charismatic movements. Some of you already know where I'm going to be coming from in regards to this topic. Uh, but I don't also I don't want to just share with you uh, one side. But I kind of want to just lay out what the Bible says. I don't want to just share with you what I've grown up in or what I've learned. There there will be things that I'll share today that technically uh, denominations or churches I've been a part of in the past don't believe, but I've actually developed a conviction based off of the scripture, not necessarily based off of the the, denomination per se. And so I'm excited to share with you on this topic because how many of y'all know that there's so much more to God than we have experienced on a daily basis? Let me see your hands if you believe that today, that there is so much more to God than what we have experienced. And I want to be able to share with you on this idea of there is more. So if you're taking notes today, you'll be able to write that down as a title. Did you know that there is more to God? There is so much more to God. If you feel like you have arrived, um, God will, I say this all the time, God will leg sweep you. But uh, the the biggest thing that I want to instill in you today is a desire, a passion, a, a, a yearning for more of God. And not to limit the Holy Spirit's work in your life, whether by things that you have believed or offenses that you have taken on and that you have now resisted the moving of the Holy Spirit within your life. And I want you to be able to walk away from today's message with that idea that there is more, there is more. Let's pray today. Father God, we thank you that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that you have prepared for those who love him. I thank you that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. So God, I pray that I come before you today that you would help me to share your word of truth today. That I wouldn't just share, share any doc, dog, dogmas or doctrines of man and uh, just trying to convince someone of, of some interpretation that someone has. But I pray that I'd be able to just handle the word of truth appropriately in a way that honors you today, God. We want to see you, Lord. And we want to know you. And we don't want to be limited by what we've seen and what we've known. And so today, God, we give this message over to you. Speak to us today, right now. church. Just open up your hands and say these words after me. Say these words like you're hungry for some more of God today. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus today. Hey. I'm excited to share it with you today, but before we dive in to some scripture, I want to lay a foundation of where we're going to be going today. I already mentioned that we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and in order to understand where we are coming at the, the scripture today and the perspective that we're coming at it today, I need you to understand that there's two different camps that church is, the church is divided on in regards to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there's two very specific words that you need to 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 understand today, and I need you to say this with me, because they're theological terms, and I don't get to use my Bible degree very often, so I'm excited to be able to share this with you today. So say this word with me, cessationism, cessationism, and then say this word with me, continuationism. So you have cessationism and continuationism. These are two isms, if you would say, that are regarding what the church and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the church functions in them after the establishment of the church. So there's five real stages that we see in the Bible. Continuationism believes in five. Uh, cessationism believes in six areas of the Bible and stages. The, the one that they agree on together is that, that Adam and Eve had a perfect union with God. And then the second stage, though, was that the, they had the fall of man and God's redemptive plan. The third stage being the ministry of Jesus Christ. And then the fourth stage, this is where cessationism adds another one, is, is the church and the Holy Spirit working through the people. Continuationism believes that the Holy Spirit continues, get it? Continues to work through the people of God. Cessationism believes that the gifts and the works of the Holy Spirit ceased, get it? Uh, <laughs> after after the, the apostles established the church. And they're kind of torn on that as well because some believe that it wasn't after the apostles planted all the churches, but it was actually after the church became uh, canical and we had the full New Testament. And they said, basically they used verses on the idea of 1 Corinthians 13, that the perfect has come. It says, when we right now we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, then we will no longer reason as children. Anyways, I... That, that's the idea that cessationism has, is that the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit stop through the individual believers. Continuationism believes that the Holy Spirit continues to work through believers. For me and for this church, we are a continuationism church. If we fell into a category, it would believe that we, we believe that the Holy Spirit continues to work in and through believers, the body of Christ. And it's not necessarily even my opinion I just think the arguments for cessationism are very poor, and I think they try to take things out of context, especially 1 Corinthians 13, being the foundation that they take their argument on, uh, I think it's, it's, it's taken out of context to the extreme to try to make a point to justify why they don't see what they see in the Bible today, and so they try to rationalize their belief with their reality rather than with the Scripture, And I'm a man of God that I've decided that I am going to let my belief be shaped by what I read, not necessarily by what I see. I'm going to be a person, and this is going to be a church, that we build our lives based off of what the Word of God says, not necessarily what we experience. So to talk about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be picking up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How many have your Bible? Let me see it. If you have your Bible, lift it up in the air. Come on. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. Now open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you were a person in the cessationism camp, you would say, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, if I was listening to someone that believed in cessationism, they would open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I would say, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But it's weird, there's like this sandwich that Paul has that he describes as, he's a writer of 1 Corinthians. It's a church located in Corinth. And they have, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are running throughout the entire church. And so he's trying to give some, some parameters, some, some guidelines, if you would, on how the, the gifts of the Spirit operate within the confines of the church. So we pick up in verse uh, seven, 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. We're reading now the ESV version. For the common good. What was it for? The common good. For to each one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge. According to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretations of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one, each person within the house of God individually as he wills. Many of you that may know me, I worked construction before I, I took the role as, as lead pastor of, of this church. And I used to build buildings. And I used to be a glazer, so I'd put in windows. And so I worked a lot with the drill and the suction cup. Uh, that was my specialty in regards to building the building. But how many know that I cannot build a building with just a suction cup and a, grill, and a drill? Unless you're a MacGyver, then I'm sure you could figure out a way to build a building. But for the most part, You need all different types of tools. Or if you're talking about building the spiritual church, you could say giftings. So there's a building of the spiritual building, the house of God, that we all have tools that enable us to contribute to the building of the house of God. Now, these are gifts that we should not passively engage in, but we should desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 Paul wraps up his love chapter in chapter 13, and he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. This word earnestly is a deep, strong passion for. Basically, you need to want it really bad. Like you have a deep passion for the gifts of God. As the church, we cannot opt out of this. This is not for the church down the road. Oh, they do their thing. This is for the church God is describing through Paul, he's not giving us a choice, but a mandate to earnestly desires. We do not pray if we're gonna obey this. These gifts are a non-negotiable. So much so that he concludes chapter 14, verse 39. He says, so my brothers, he says it again, earnestly desire to prophesy. He's like, he continues. No, like earnestly, but earnestly, earnestly. Earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So now he's saying, Earnestly desire the gifts, but don't resist it. And don't stifle it either. Don't hold it at bay. He says, do not resist. As some people say, and they come into church, that means that everyone does anything that they want. Please believe you stand up in this congregation and you start distracting off the message and what God is speaking to the people, I will ask you to leave. But that's a soft spot, especially in Omaha, because we haven't handled some of these gifts very well. And that's why I feel like it's pertinent for us to be able to talk about this today. So... This is the main thing that I'm gonna be hitting on today. I got several different, we're gonna go through all these gifts, but what are the gifts of the Spirit for? Ever asked that question? And, and sometimes they're, they're taken out of context and people believe that the gifts, or at least most of the gifts, are for the individual themselves. No, those are the fruits of the Spirit. And we are supposed to focus on the fruits of the Spirit because character always triumphs gifting. Yes, the fruits of the Spirit are imperative to your life, but that doesn't mean that you neglect the giftings of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are important. So what are, the, what are the gifts of the Spirit for, though? Verse 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common, for the common, for the common good, for the common good. This is not like a gift that you are given, like a Christmas present from God that exists outside of God but this is actually a part of the character of God himself. Write this down, that these gifts, they are not merely a human activity, but a divine activity done through humans who trust in Christ. It is not merely just a human activity, but these gifts are a divine activity that reflect the very character of God. That's why it is so important that we do not be irresponsible resist or legislate the gifts of the spirit because then we're legislation legislating and resisting God see if you have a problem these gifts reflect God so if you have a problem with the gifts you don't have a problem with me you don't have a problem with this message you actually have a problem with God because this is how God chooses to operate whether it be the gifts of prophecy, whether it be the gifts of knowledge, the gifts of healing, this is how God chooses to operate. And God chooses to operate still through his church, which is the body of Christ. So what are these gifts for? Well, I just want to lay a few different scriptures that describe it. First Corinthians 14, three, Paul talks about, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So these gifts are for the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So that the church may be built up. Verse 12, so with yourselves, since you are eager for these gifts, he's talking about, you're eager for them. That's good. Let that be our heart's cry. We should be eager for these gifts to flow in and through us. He says, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. They are there to build up the church, not for your own volitions or ambitions, but for the building up of the church. Not for you to say, look at the gift I have. I have the gift of healing. I can go around and just, you know. Not for the gift of prophecy. Look what I have. I can just tell the future. Not for the gifts of tongues. Look what I have. It's for the building up, say it with me, the church. It's for the building up of the church. Verse 19, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Verse 26, what then, brothers? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, a rap, an interpretation. I didn't say that, but this is more of the modern interpretation. He says, let all things be done for building up so your gifts are not for you. Your gifts are for your brother and your sister on your right and on your left. And so by resisting the Holy Spirit, you actually resist blessing that's called to flow throughout the church. So you put up a wall and you're actually holding back on what God is trying to do in and through you to bless someone else. That gives a whole nother meaning to resisting the Holy Spirit. So some of these gifts, God willing, I wanna try to get through a lot of these. Some of these I'm gonna rush through. but some of them I'll spend more time as pertaining to what I feel like our church needs to know, but also the city of Omaha. Uh, so some of these will feel like I'm not really giving them full credence, but that's because uh, there's some other things that I want to discuss. Now, I'm only gonna go over a few, maybe seven or eight, roughly around there. Uh, there's somewhere around 20 to 21 specific gifts that are called to, to manifest throughout the lives of believers. Now, again, we are called to eagerly desire these gifts. So if I go through some of those and you can say that's never happened to me, well, ask God to help you. Ask God and say, God, I wanna be used that way. Now, I'm not more in love with the gift than I am the giver of the gift, but I realize that if it's available, how much more, if I know how to give good gifts, who an evil, how much more does my heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to those he calls his children? So I am eagerly ready to receive the gift. So as I go through these, if you feel like you wanna work in them, just simple prayer, Holy Spirit, God, help me to be aware of that, and it's a process. I've found some of these giftings that have been working through my life, it's a process. It's like two steps forward, one step back. Missing an opportunity, getting an opportunity, missing an opportunity, miss, 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 miss. And I took the opportunity and I talked to that person, wow, that was great, then miss, 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 miss. That's usually how it is for my life. All right, so some of the gifts. The utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge. Sometimes this is described as a word of knowledge. It's usually describing on what is or what has taken place in someone's life that is not disclosed to you but through the power of the Holy Spirit is revealed to you for the building up of that person, for the encouraging of that person. Such as, let's say someone's really going through a hard time, like if someone has a a wounded spirit or is just really hurting right now, the Holy Spirit can reveal to you that this person's going through a tough time. And uh, like, for an example, I will share some stories that have happened in my life. That doesn't mean that it needs to happen in your life per se this way. This is just my uh, experience as it pertains to utilizing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So uh, 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 a word of knowledge, for an example, walking by someone and hearing the pain and the sorrow that's gone through their life, and God saying to me, I wanna take that from them. So very biblical, he says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So every type of word that you get from God has to align with the word of God. That's why it's important that you read your Bible. So I'm able to confirm, you know what? That's the Holy Spirit, that's not my own ambition, that's not my own volition, and that's not the devil. That's not the devil, I'm just lining up with the word of God, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna share this word. Hey, I feel like you've been going through a really hard time. God says, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that you've been through a lot of pain and God can see the suffering of your soul and he wants you to cast that on him because he cares for you. That's something very simple. Another example would be uh, just talking to a, a random person the other day at, at a conference. They were sharing their story and, hey, how many kids you got? He's like, my wife, I got two kids and I felt the Holy Spirit say, tell him his son's gonna be okay well, that sounds kind of odd. Hey, man, I just felt like the impression that your son's gonna be okay. Not knowing that he got a phone call that morning when he flew into that city that his son was experiencing some medical diagnosis that he didn't know how he was gonna get through them. And so God is saying, God is building up the church through an obedient believer that's available to God. Do you see how that works? It's something very simple that speaks to what is. Going. Then another gift, there's a gift of faith. Gift of the faith is like a strong assurance that God is going to do something right now. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says that faith has to move mountains. There's just an unwavering, unquenchable faith. And you can see some of these people, they're like, man, they're just so positive. You know, maybe it is a level of gift of faith. It's not the sanguine personality. There may be a level of faith imparted to them, the gift of faith. One that may be more controversial is the gift of healing. Now, the reason why this could be controversial is some people look at it as, something that someone carries all the time as if it's something in their back pocket that they can utilize at any moment, and they say, I am a healer. Well, first and foremost, you are not a healer. God is the healer. I know that God is the healer, but sometimes he likes to impart that healing through individuals within the house of God to other individuals for the building up of the church. So people will go around and say, I'm a healer. You're not the healer. God's the healer. You cannot just turn it on and turn it off, but the problem is, is we try to justify our position saying that I am the healer, so therefore, if someone doesn't get healed, I now blame the person and say, you just didn't have enough faith. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, it is quite damaging because now you're questioning everything that you ever believe. You know what? I like to not be in a place where I don't have enough faith because that requires me to have faith (laughs) because if I had it all figured out, I wouldn't need faith. The man said to Jesus as he was healing his son and casting out the demon, said I believe Lord help my unbelief that's an okay place to be well the reason why you didn't see the miracles you just didn't believe hard enough well let's tack into that just a little bit do they not have enough faith well let me ask you this question Paul had the ability to heal people right through the power of the Holy Spirit he would sneeze on a, a Kleenex and hand it to people and they'd be healed he was able to raise the dead. Paul was a guy getting bit by a poisonous snake and he just shakes it off. But we hear countless times, there's, there's four times in particular, Paul's referencing people within his world that are sick. And he doesn't say, well, they just didn't have enough faith to be healed. If Paul had the gift of healing, these people would be healed. This is Philippians chapter two. He talks about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus who was ill. He was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him not only him, but on, the, on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So this is his friend who almost died from a sickness. And we don't see Paul going around. You know what? And I went over there and I just prayed the prayer of faith. Epaphroditus had enough faith and he was healed. Paul talks to Timothy. He said, drink some wine for your stomach. He doesn't say, Timothy, you just don't have enough faith. Timothy, you just need to get near me because I have the gift of healing. He says, no, 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 you need a, he, they believed that he had ulcers within his stomach and the wine was gonna be able to help soothe it. He didn't just tell, he, he goes to a medical means, not necessarily just saying, well, you just need to have more faith. If you're not healed, you just don't have enough faith. Paul doesn't take this stance, neither should we. 2 Timothy 4.20, he talks about a rat, uh, 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 Trophimus who was ill at Miletus, so Paul left him there. He was on the missionary journey. And he was ill, and he fell ill, so Paul, knowing that he was ill, saying, hey, I'm just gonna leave you here, and then I'm gonna continue on, he didn't say, well, we just need to really pray and have you heal, he didn't do that. Paul had a thorn in his side. Some say it was an an illness, some think it was maybe a sin or something. Uh, They don't really know exactly what it was, but Paul had an illness or something in his side that he pleaded God to take away. He had faith and God still didn't take it away. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? I believe that we are called to die on the side of faith. Continue to believe, even when you don't see the result. Even when the cancer ravages your body or your friend's body, continue to believe. Because I know what the word of God says. Surely he carried our sickness and bore our diseases. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So I know what the word of God says. Now there's a sense of applying it into my life, and just because it doesn't make sense, that doesn't mean I change my belief or try to justify why I'm not seeing what the Bible says. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And just because that doesn't make sense to me doesn't mean it won't make sense. The next side of earth. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. This one time I was going around and uh, uh, there's been a few times I've been around healing. My mom says I prayed for her back when I was like six years old and her, there's a vertebrae in her, her back that repaired instantly. And I was just a little kid with faith. At that moment, I knew what the Bible said. And I said, mom, God says he can heal you. Let me pray for your back. It's just something very simple, a little kid, a childlike faith, knowing who their father is. At an instance after a service, I felt like I needed to pray for a young lady over on the, on the side and I walked up to her and I said, I can see weights, it feels like big weights on your forehead, do you mind if I just pray, for, put my hand on your forehead and, and, just, and, and pray for you? Well, I prayed for her and uh, that the weights would be removed and that she'd be able to feel like she could lift up her head again, not knowing that she had has, having chronic migraines and she was going to the Mayo Clinic next day to try to figure out what was going on. Well, she's been to several other physicians before, and they haven't figured out, kind of like the woman with the issue of blood, but knew that if at just one moment she could touch Jesus, she could be made well. That next day, they had all these reports, she hasn't had a migraine since. So that's just a little example of healing that has taken place because someone was obedient to the word that God spoke. Now, if someone came up to you and said, Eli, I saw that so-and-so got healed, now can you pray for me also? I'm not, I'm gonna, be, I'm not gonna be like, yeah, the, prayer, the gift of healing, I don't have that, that was the Holy Spirit through a divine word that God spoke, that God saw what was going on in her world and wanted to use the body of Christ to be able to encourage her and build her up. There's another example. I, we were playing volleyball. We used to play sand volleyball uh, before the church started. And uh, Pastor Clyde, we were playing together and he would be able to, hear, he'd be able to testify to this. I, there was such a lo- I went to go and dig to get the ball and there was such a loud pop in my ankle. I could have swore I tore something. It swelled up like a ball real quick kind of like what Grant had down at at Ben's conference. But it it swelled up real fast, and two months went by, and I was in extraordinary pain. And finally, I got an MRI scheduled, and I took a black marker, and I marked all these different spots where the pain was. Like, I worked construction. It was hard to walk around. And uh, Pastor Claudia is over hanging out at her house, and uh, I was just, yeah, what do you got going tomorrow? Well, I'm getting an MRI. I'm just in so much pain for my ankle, and... I really don't know what's going on, man. I think if there's something torn, I'm gonna to need to get surgery. And he just says, well, how about I pray for it?" And in my head, I know God can heal, but I had no faith whatsoever that God was going to heal. I knew that God could, but I had no faith that he would. I knew he could, but I didn't believe that he would. But Clyde did. And I don't even know his level of faith or what that was like, or did he even justify that? What I know is that a mustard seed is all you need. A mustard seed is all you need. He got down, and he just started praying for my ankle. And I just started feeling this burning sensation going through my ankle. I didn't really think twice about it, except when I went to the MRI the next day, and they were like, hey, we can't find anything wrong with your ankle. Um, We think you're faking. No, they didn't say that. They just said, we can't find anything wrong with your ankle. And I said, now that you say that, I've been working for the last few days, and I haven't had any pain. I didn't even realize that at that moment, my ankle was healed. But it wasn't, I didn't even have the faith at that moment. That was the faith of someone else. See, we try to put these things into a box and almost make God into a formula or a little genie in the bottle of, you have to do this, 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 and this, then you will get your healing. If that's, then that makes you God. It's not Y plus X plus Y equals Z. It's not a formula it's called the prayer of faith. It's called being obedience to the word of God and saying, hey, regardless if I see it, this side or heaven, I know the stance that I'm called to take, that his kingdom come on earth that is in heaven, that these gifts that flow are actually a reflection of the character of God himself that he wants us to be made whole. So I want you to walk away from here today knowing that the gifts of healing can flow in and through you for your neighbor, God can flow through you to distribute that healing. So if, especially if you feel, I need to pray for this person. This is hard because there can be a, a conflict of faith that can happen because you don't see what you thought you heard. And so you'll go and you'll pray for someone thinking that you'll see something, but not seeing anything, and then you just seemed as weird. I think it was uh, Smith Wigglesworth that said, I've prayed for thousands, I've seen hundreds healed. I'm called to be obedient to what God, so when we, when we have, some of y'all have been reluctant to raise your hand when we say, hey, who needs healing in the room, because I've raised my hand enough, well, the last time you raise it, when you're healed, that'll be the last time you need to raise it, you know, so you, you, you see some testament, I'm hoping that, well, that's just an ankle, but some of y'all have some, some diseases, and I know God is still a God who heals. I've experienced it myself, and I see it in the Word. Those two aligning. if you just go off your experience, it's a dangerous road to go down. Don't do that. But I see it in the Word as well. All right, so move on. Some of the other ones. Working of miracles. Uh, working of miracles can be described as like the feeding of the 5,000, Elisha making the axe head float, uh, Elijah in rain. It was a response to the Word that he heard. Elijah heard the sound, so he applied himself uh, to pray. So another one is prophecy. Prophecy is based on a revelation from the Spirit. Uh, A word of knowledge is what is. Prophecy is what will be. Word of knowledge is what is. Prophecy is what will be. But just because it's spoken doesn't mean it'll happen. You have to apply yourself. So if a person says, hey, I see this in your future, that doesn't doesn't mean you're like, all right, awesome, God, I'm going to watch Netflix. It doesn't mean that. You actually, okay, now you are responsible for that word. And you are called to apply yourself to that word that was spoken. Acts 2.17 says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on just the pastors. On all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. The country preacher said, You know why old men dream dreams and young men see visions? Because the young people are high and the old men are sleeping. I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) All right, so what do we establish? Who can prophesy? Everyone. According to what I read in the Bible, it says all flesh, all people have a sense, the ability to walk in the prophetic. Not only that, but Paul says, I desire that you desire to prophesy. Above all, I want you to be able to prophesy and be able to hear what the Spirit is doing. Some examples of, of prophetic, I was, I was speaking to one man and I felt the Holy Spirit imply on me, he was in a tough financial situation, he was trying to buy a house, but he was trying to sell this other house to be able to free up funds to be able to buy this house and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, 1.2 million on the way. So that's an example of a prophetic word. But me and my own insecurity, I didn't act on that word I was like, man, 1.2 million, that's a lot of money, God. But let me just ask, hey, so how much money are you expecting? You know, because we're always looking for ways to confirm our doubts. Sometimes you don't need to rationalize what God is speaking. You speak the word and let, don't add anything to it and let God speak to the person. And he just says to me, well, I'm expecting to get 1.2 million. And I'm like, ah, missed it. Because I could have encouraged that person a lot better had I just been faithful to the word that God was speaking. I still shared with them, but it just lessens kind of the impact because uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a revelation given, and then I kind of backed it up. But there's, there's examples of Acts 21, Philip the evangelist, he had four daughters who prophesied. Agabus prophesies over Paul in Acts chapter 21 about being bound if he goes to Jerusalem. It was prevalent within the church. John 16, 13 out of the Amplified says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. He will not speak on his own initiative. He will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father. The message regarding the Son. So it aligns with the word of God. Every prophetic word aligns with the word of God and what God is doing in that moment. It is not on their own initiative, but it is aligning with the word of God. The message regarding the Son. And he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. God, The Spirit of God can share with you the future. But that doesn't mean you go and you just ask him what numbers do i put on the lotto ticket <laughs> i mean how many of y'all done that before god if you just tell me what numbers i seen a number it was 17 and then i got a phone number the last four digits was 29 and 37 and then my birthday is you know. we see in 1 corinthians 11 women prophesying in the assembly 1 corinthians 14 5. now i want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy 1425, the secrets of the heart, person's heart will be exposed and they will fall down and worship God. That's what the, the gift of the prophetic is for. We see the prophetic being utilized in Acts 13 at the calling of Paul and Barnabas in, in Antioch, that there were teachers and prophets there and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to them to set aside Paul and Barnabas. So the beginning of the church, at least the missionary journeys happened because someone was obedient to a prophetic word that the Holy Spirit was giving So when you speak to someone, they know that God knows them, especially about their situation, and it builds them up. But the problem is is we see this misused more times than we see it used appropriately. So we see God speaks, we interpret, and then we apply. Many times we add something to our interpretation to try to justify what God is saying. Sometimes all we need to do is just share. Hey, I feel like God. I just had it backstage. Darren, he's on our amazing safety team. And I was just sitting down, and he said, hey, you mind if I just share a word with you real quick? Dude, it encouraged me so much while I was back there. Because I was just saying, God, if I'm off, just let me know I'm off. God, if I'm right, just let me know I'm in the right, making the right decisions. And you know what his word was? It was so simple. I felt like God wanted me to reassure you to keep going the path that you're going. And I was just like, thank you, God. He didn't know I was praying that right then and there. It's a, the a gift of, of, that would be more like a word of encouragement. First Thessalonians, though, because we see people that misuse it, then we, we, we guard ourselves and we start to despise it or we start to, to put up parameters and boundaries. But First Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every kind of evil. Paul says to test the prophecies. So in 1 Corinthians, he says, or 1 Corinthians, he talks about how the, the, the gifting of the prophecy is subject to the will of the prophet and that you are supposed to weigh it against. The, 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 the prophets are supposed to weigh against the word that is spoken. So you test it. It says test everything. Some of the other ones I want to quickly go over, uh, gifts of discerning of spirit. So that's prophecy. Uh, gift of discerning of spirit would be uh, what would appear normal to a, an average person, a person with the gift of discerning of spirits um, is spiritually aware and they can sense light and darkness in a situation to the spiritually dead would appear normal. So they could step into a situation, uh, they could step onto a property and they could just be like, there's something off here. That's a gift that we are all actually given by the Holy Spirit we need to eagerly desire that. So, you all have that ability to be able to walk in that. Another one is, is the tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Growing up in Omaha, this is a very conflicting area for the church, and it shouldn't be. The problem is, is that it's been grossly misused uh, because people don't understand it for the most part, and they add to it their own interpretation. And what I see in within the scripture, and shoot, this may be my interpretation, so maybe I'm just adding to the problem, you know, <laughs> right? But I'm going to do my best to be able to describe. Um, the gifting of tongues, interpretation of tongues. So, what, whatever negative thoughts or bad opinions you have about tongues, I am certain that you did not get it from the Bible. You got it from an individual. You got it from someone who maybe abused the gifts. Perhaps you were in a meeting and someone used the gift and there was no interpretation and you were left confused, or someone used it to gloat that they were better than you because they speak and you do not. Therefore, they are holy and you are a second class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. That is not true. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Variety of tongues, there's a different type of interpretations through this, that Pentecost was known human language so that the people could hear in their own dialect. In 1 Corinthians, it is more likely talking about a unique gift given to an individual, a spiritual language given to you that enables you to pray and sing worship unto God in a heavenly language. This does not mean that every single person needs to, though, speak in tongues to be considered filled with the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus into your heart, there's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. There's a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside each and every single one of you. We read through 1 Corinthians 12 that to another this gift, to another this gift, to another this gift, to another this gift, to another this gift. gift. Now, should you desire it? Yes. You should. You should. Because it is a gift that reflects the heart of a father. You shouldn't despise it. You shouldn't resist it. You should be open to it. You should desire the gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.5 says, Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Paul's saying, I want everyone to. But even more to prophesy. For the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets it, so that the church may be built up. And Paul describes in, in 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to start in verse 13, it says, "For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful." verse 15, Then what am I to do? I pray with the spirit, this is the amplified version, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, and I pray with the mind using words I understand. I will sing with the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, and I will sing with the mind using words I understand." a little bit further in the, to verse 18. He says, I thank God that I speak in unknown tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in public worship, I'd rather say five understandable words in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue which others cannot understand. And this is the part that I wanna be able to really untangle here real quick that I didn't have time in the last service. He says, I thank God that I speak in unknown tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in public worship. So now he's talking about two different areas. He's talking about personal devotion and then he talks about public worship. And some of the people said, well, tongues is strictly for the witnessing of the gospel. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, they say, this is, would be a sensationist, would say, that's why it has ceased, because now we know all different languages and we can communicate because we have the Google app. That's not really the case, but that, that's kind of the idea is that there's no need for tongues anymore because we're able to communicate the the, gifts, the, the wonders of God through various different dialects and languages. How do you make sense of Cornelius getting saved then? If tongues was just for the witnessing and not a prayer language, why does the Holy Spirit fall on Cornelius' household and they profess tongues when no unbelievers are present? You don't, that that doesn't line up. It doesn't line up. Paul says, I speak of tongues of men and of angels. There's a heavenly language that we are all, he says, I wish everyone would. So he talks about the, the devotion, and then the corporate worship. He says, in a worship setting, I would much rather speak five intelligible words. Why? Because it's more about the people than it is about me. Many people go around and they make it all about them. Look what I can do, um, that you may be healed. Look what I can do. It's about the body of Christ. Did you know that God can encourage your brother through a gifting of the Holy Spirit today? Whether it be a word of knowledge or a prophetic word that you're called to speak to someone, this is the Holy Spirit falling on people this is not weird people make it weird the Holy Spirit wants to live work and move through you this is available for each and every single one of us do not resist do not be resistant to the spirit just because you don't understand the spirit for John 34 3:34 says God gives the spirit without limit and if, for many of you I want you to know today that the Holy Spirit is the primary promise of God we see it in examples of of Ezekiel prophesying the breath. We see Jeremiah talking about a new covenant with his people. In the book of Numbers, we see two men prophesying, and the people freak out, and they go to Moses. Moses, these people are prophesying. And Moses says, "says doesn't God desire all these people to be prophets? There's a sense of the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the early church was very charismatic. The gifts were working throughout the whole Holy Spirit. We read it in Galatians, Thessalonians, Romans, Ephesians, Corinthians, Peter's letters. It's everywhere, especially in the book of Acts. And it needs to be here as well. It's my hope that for this church, that we would not stifle the Holy Spirit or limit the Holy Spirit, but we would eagerly desire those gifts. Would you stand to your feet? A lot of people would go around and they'd pray, God helped the church to transform the city. They have an appearance of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's walking around this road, and this woman says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I could be made well. And Jesus says, he felt power go out of him. So there is a sense of power of the Holy Spirit. There is power. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem that you may receive power. From on high. And I want you to know today, if you feel like you're lacking power, it's available to you. There is a power called the Holy Spirit that God desires to flow in and through his people. And some of us, we just don't know what this is going to look like. This is what I encourage you to do. Some, of it, This is usually how I see it. It, it, it. it responds to an eagerness and a hunger to be filled by God. You don't desire the gift more than the giver of the gift. That's what Simon the sorcerer had a problem with He when he tried to buy the gifts of the Holy Spirit and he was rebuked because you cannot buy these things. You are given them freely by God. But many people are more in love with the gift than they are the giver of the gift. You're in a dangerous spot when you think, well, I just want to be able to do this. I just want to be able to do that. And God says, I ain't going to give you any of that. Don't be more in love with the gift than you are the giver. This is where I want people to start. You want to be eager for the gifts? Be eager for God first. Be eager for God. Say, God, I want to know you more. Not just part of you, but all of you. This side of heaven, you will not be able to even fathom the power of God, the omniscience of God. You won't be able to. And so for us, I want us and this church to be marked by a church that is hungry, for the moving and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be able to give a moment here for people to be able to that want more, can, can receive more. But before we jump into that, the first part of us receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is actually believing in Jesus being our Lord and our Savior and redeeming our bodies so that our bodies can be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're in here today and you're saying, Eli, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know who God is. I have not made Jesus the Lord of my life. I got good news for you, my friend. Your prayer away. It'll be the best decision of your entire life. Turn my life around. Jesus saved me, He redeemed me. I was going to kill myself on a cold December night, December 27, 2007. Jesus stepped in the middle of that, gave Him my life. Best decision of my life. And so if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Eli, that's me, I want to know who Jesus is. I'm going to ask that you lift up your hand. Lift up your hand so I can see like, see your hand right there. If you want to know who Jesus is. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.